0: Before we get into the bulk of the message, I want you to turn to Daniel chapter seven, verse 25. This is really part of the message, but uh, I have to share with you that uh, this has been a very heavy message, not only to put together, to uh, bring in, All of the things that have been happening over the last three weeks or so in our country, primarily what is taking place in Seattle, and then what we found out uh, yesterday, what has happened in in Atlanta. And uh, it just seems that the craziness continues and gets weirder and weirder every time something new happens. Speaking from the law enforcement perspective, it is making things so much harder for those who you know, daily put on the uniform, daily serve our, our communities and our people and, and desire to do so in a good way, to be attacked as often as they are and every little thing that happens uh, all of a sudden gets magnified way uh, beyond and not only that but then due process is taken out of the way and people are making decisions that are rash and that's, that is people in, in, in positions of leadership. So. Uh, this is this is really a crazy time. I'm going to talk about that today. But Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 <clears throat> is, a, is a verse prophetically speaking of the Antichrist. The beast or the Antichrist. But what we can see in this particular verse is the spirit of Antichrist as it is affecting our lives today. It says, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. Well, we know that Of course, the Antichrist is is motivated and strengthened by Satan, and that's Satan's whole uh, reason for war against God, is that he's speaking against the Most High. But notice the next phrase, and that's what I want you to see. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And shall wear out, literally shall wear down the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until the time and time and times and, and dividing of time, which is three and a half years. But the point here is that there's going to be a wearing out of the saints even to the point of thinking to change times and laws. Now, that struck me very hard this week. I, I went back to, to look at Some of the issues of the French Revolution took place a few years after the American Revolution. In the French Revolution, of course, there was dissent against the monarchy, against Louis XVI and every Louis before them. they wanted freedom from that kind of monarchy. So far, in a sense, so good. But as the factions begin to uh, protest against the monarchy, as it were, factions would rise up, and once they came to a place where there was some move towards some democratic or, or republican form of government, there were certain factions within that were taking over. So there was faction against faction even in the French Revolution. And one of the, one of, one of the factions at that time had made a decree, not only to have a new calendar for France, as it were, but to also eradicate Christianity. If you were to compare the American Revolution with the French Revolution, it really isn't a comparison, it's really a contrast, for indeed the American Revolution itself was founded much of it was founded on the principles of the Judeo-Christian ethic and the Bible. When you look at the French Revolution, it was completely secular. Completely secular. Sadly, in the midst of all of that, there was something called the Reign of Terror. Louis XVI was beheaded at the guillotine. And a few months later, Marie Antoinette would also be beheaded. To me that would say this was not about freedom, it was about revenge. And it's sad to think that even today there is that spirit of antichrist in a lot of what is happening in our world. With that in mind I ask you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I've entitled this message, and by the way we are moving toward our chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of 1st and 2nd Timothy. But I, I considered it strongly that we needed to come back to this uh, for just a moment. A threat assessment in perilous times is what I've entitled this message. A threat assessment. That's something. That's a term that is used in government, you know, as far as even uh, uh, investigative government or uh, as far as... Uh, Dealing with intelligence and all a threat assessment in perilous times Jesus has made a threat assessment for us and so have the prophets and the Apostles in 2 second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 it says this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come and our focus is going to be in this verse and in the word perilous for men shall be lovers of their own selves. If you're to look at this passage from verse two on, you'll, you're going to begin to see parallels to everything that's been happening for the last few years, if not uh, over the last uh, 16 years. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, which means without any self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good. That's in the newspapers every, every day. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such, Turn away. In other words, don't join them. Turn away from them. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins led away with diverse lusts. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning, but never coming to the truth. Once you begin to destroy the foundations of history, and begin to eradicate the history of our nation as much has been happening today because of that, and you revise history, then you have the problems that you see happening. And the old philosopher Hegel was the one that is accredited with saying, history teaches us that we learn nothing from history. But we're ever learning. Sadly, we're learning too much of the wrong things as far as a, a people and a society. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, those being the magicians that stood before Pharaoh's court, so do these also resist the truth. Remember those three words, resist the truth. That might as well be the cry of Antifa today men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly, their foolishness, shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. In 1970, Alvin Toffler wrote wrote and published a book entitled Future Shock, the title which was based on the more familiar term Culture Shock. And the book dealt with how the future was coming at society so fast that mankind generally is put in a state of shock from dealing with the changes. The shortest definition for the term future shock found in the book is a personal perception of, and I quote, too much change in too short a time. Too much change in too short a time. Toffler claimed that future shock is the result of people experiencing, witnessing, and sensing the effects of sudden negative changes in society. When you think of the last uh, 70, 80 years of history in our country, there were a lot of things that just started changing dr- drastically for, for people. Certainly, we had two, two world wars. But there was the issue of Pearl Harbor, for example, and the shock of Pearl Harbor. And then came the wars in Korea, Vietnam. And then there were the protests of those particular wars, actually the Vietnam War in particular. But in the midst of all of that, there were assassinations, the assassination of Kennedy and Martin Luther King. And then rapidly after succession after succession of other things that were happening we get to 9-11 2001 shocking everything and every time these things happen and you could graph it every time these things happen there was less less hopefulness there was less hope and something was happening to the church as well Helplessness and hopelessness set in when there was, helplessness and hopelessness set in when there is no credible, trustworthy, or affirming response by authoritative sources, whether they be government or or political, sociological, or even religious. Some people may even reach the point where they no longer have the will to resist or even complain. Then we come to what? we come to a pandemic that affects the whole globe. And what's happened over the last few months here. The question is this, will the secular person, the person that we've been studying about with Solomon on Wednesday nights in Ecclesiastes, will the secular person, the person who lives under the sun without God, Will the secular person look to Jesus Christ and to the church for hope? Sadly, most won't. But what is even sadder is that professing Christians with no firm foundation in the scriptures, especially prophetic scriptures, they will lack hope as well. Cedric H. Fisher, in his Lighthouse Trails booklet, The Acknowledged War and the Wearing Down of the Saints. Remember that phrase? The Wearing Down of the Saints? The Acknowledged War and the Wearing Down of the Saints. Uh, Fisher takes us back to the late 19th, early 20th century writings of the sociologist philosopher Emil Durkheim, who, and I quote, observed that the collapse of European society by modernity, or modernity, dramatically affected Christianity. He observed that once the collective force so vital for the life of a society was no longer generated, faith in God declined. Faith in God declined. Harsh burdens and stresses prevented the people from sensing God's presence. This has been a tremendous burden on my heart since the day that they said, you must go and be locked into your own homes. And I'm sick and tired of every commercial that comes out today. We're alone together. Stay safe, wash your hands. I'm so blessed to see you all here, and I know that there's many watching us on, on live stream platforms, but I'm still burdened for the ones that I cannot see, and maybe the ones that cannot come and that won't come, and the ones that aren't even watching today. I'm concerned about their hearts, where they are. So these harsh burdens and stresses that pre- prevented the people back then in, in the 18th, uh, 19th, or 19th and 20th century uh, from sensing God's presence, uh, presence that, that resulted in replacing faith, listen carefully, that resulted in replacing faith with belief in social justice and science. And if you hear the term social justice, you're going to realize something about those who are the social justice warriors. Please understand this, it is not social justice, it is socialistic injustice. And it's completely godless. And yet some churches will back that up. And then science? Boy, we've had a good science lesson over the last few months. Oh, masks aren't going to help you. Few months, a month later, oh, you better put on masks. A couple of months after that, there's, all oh, the masks aren't really going to help. That's science. Is it? It's hogwash. Okay, I'm sharing a little bit of my heart here. I took my blood pressure medication earlier. I think I'll be okay. Just listen. So in other words, the social milieu that supported Christianity disappeared. It disappeared, leaving Christian faith, values, and thinking without any social foundations to give them life. It happened then, and sadly it's happening again. And now we find ourselves at another painful and challenging crossroads before the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And may I say to you, Jesus is coming very soon. All these signs are leading to that. That is why we have hope. Because Jesus is our blessed hope. But here we find ourselves at a crossroads. A world placed in a satanically induced jaw-like grip through a questionable global pandemic that is seemingly being figured out so sloppily and unscientifically and now a deep state-supported racial anarchy that has brought our nation to the brink of a totally uncivil civil war. And yet, and yet, Jesus said clearly that this is nothing, nothing in comparison to what is yet to come. In other words, if Jesus used our terminology, he would say, hey, you think it's bad now? Matthew 24, verses 6 through 8. Jesus said, about these times, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Folks, you don't need nations and marching armies to have wars. We're having wars right now in our own country. See that you be not troubled. Stop there and please mark that, highlight it, arrows to it. See that you be not troubled. I, I have to confess, every time I watch the news, I get troubled. Something new happens. Friday, I took a day off from the news. Felt so good. I even found out that pro golfers were back on the, on the links and they were playing golf, so I thought I'd watch. <laughs> oh, wow, it's not recorded 10 years ago. Refreshing, but I have to watch. But I have to remember that Jesus said, see that you be not troubled. Don't be troubled, I'm coming, I'm coming. He says, for all these things must come to pass, they must happen, they must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. You know what he calls that? Look at verse eight. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Just the beginning of sorrows. That's when he says, you think it's bad now? It's only gonna get worse. Thank the Lord for the rapture of the church, because it will happen. We've gone over this time and time and time again. Not just because we're looking for some escape valve. Even Jesus Himself said, "You need to be counted worthy to escape." So, hey, get right with the Lord and be ready, because He's coming. He's got to deal with Israel, number one, and He's got to deal with what is going on in the world today, as far as the rejection of Jesus Christ. So please understand those things. We'll talk about it again another time. So where are we today? Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 26. Men's hearts, failing them for fear. If there's one word that fits the whole scenario of the global pandem- pandemic from the time that the national emergency was, was, uh, was uh, declared, was, that, was the word Fear. Fear. The Apostle John said, perfect love casts out fear. The only perfect love that has ever been shown was the love that Jesus Christ gave to us and brought to this world when he came to show us the love of the Father for his creation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, men's hearts are failing them. You know, we oftentimes say, uh, I don't know about you, and I, this is a personal comment, so I'll just say it very quickly. But if the El Paso Times would could, would, 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 could send me a notification and tell me every day how many people are get, getting COVID and how many people are dying, if they would just stop that for a, a few days, that might help us a little bit. That might help us a whole lot. again Satan is the one who's bringing fear upon the world conditioning the minds and minds of people who don't know Jesus Christ so that the antichrist will now be the one that they'll see as the main focus of their salvation the powers of heaven shall be shaken as Jesus said so we're truly living in a time when the words of the Apostle Paul rings so true back in verse one of chapter three of Second Timothy. This know also that in the last days perilous time shall come. The Greek word for perilous, the word chalepos, may translate and be defined generally as difficult, dangerous, or by implication as furious or fierce. And it is used one other time in the case of the demon-possessed men from the country of the Gergesenes in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Exceeding fierce means extremely violent. But it is the root word from which it comes that gives it the greater strength of meaning. Chalepos comes from the root word chalao, which gives the sense or the idea of, and I quote, letting down or striking by reducing strength or striking to reduce strength. Striking someone or something to reduce its strength. The perilous times in which we are living in today before the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ are revealing threats not only to nations or peoples geopolitically, to individuals personally, but especially to the church of Jesus Christ, the true church of Jesus Christ, with the very purpose of reducing its strength. That takes us back to Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 the wearing down of the saints and what the enemy has been attempting to do since nearly the beginning of creation more on that in just a moment but people might be saying that the greatest threat to civilization today well they used to say not long ago the greatest threat was Islamic terrorism that's still around And then there are others who have said that the greatest threat is global warming or climate change. You know, if you believe Al Gore when he talked about the, uh, uh, I forget the name of the, uh, his book, but anyway, it was a, it was a, a, a documentary and you know, we got all kinds of awards. But he said by the year 2020, you know, that New York City would be uh, underwater. And what what we found out a couple of weeks ago is it wasn't under water, it was under fire. They would have liked the water to turn all the fires out. It's not global warming or climate change. Some will even try to convince you that the greatest threat today is COVID-19. Certainly the list could go on and on but we can all agree that it was uh, we can all agree that as it was prior to the days of noah and the flood and the days of lot as well so has it become prior to the coming of the son of man think about this genesis 6 verse 5 and god saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually Now you go back and focus on that word imagination and consider it this way. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination, every form, every conception, and every purpose of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We see a lot of that in all of the things that are happening in this world today. The imagination of the thoughts of man's hearts today are not for true justice. Think about some of the incidents that are happening that are causing some of these riots did, even yesterday in Atlanta. The lack of due process, which is part of justice. The lack of properly dealing with, the, dealing with people in the law, no matter whether they're citizens or, or even police officers. They've thrown all of that out the window because of the the imagination of the thoughts of man's heart is only evil continually. Consider Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful. The heart of man is deceitful. It is crooked. It is fraudulent. It is polluted above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God himself says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. True justice is going to come. And to those who have rejected the the scriptures, those who have rejected Jesus Christ, those who have rejected the God of creation, those who have rejected will find what true justice really is one day. These verses in Genesis and Jeremiah and certainly many others give us every indication that we are living in a world that has gone mad. Earlier when I quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 and focused on the word perilous as the Greek word meaning fierce or violent like the demon possessed men of Matthew chapter 8, those men, going back to them, those men had reached a level, listen to me, those men have reached a level of uncontrollable rage Tantamount to a brutal, inhuman insanity. Simply, they were out of their minds. No reasoning. Now take this list down. No reasoning. No rational thinking. No rational actions. No common sense. That is what we're dealing with today, in a nutshell. Have you considered the new vocabulary that is so prominent in the news media in Washington and at the state and local levels of every government and society? We have a new vocabulary. A lot of the words are words we know, but it's how they're being used today. Words and phrases that are not so new, but are now used in different ways and capacities. Words like unprecedented, now that's, that's, that's a real strong word for the times that we're living in today. It, it's an unprecedented time. We've never had a pandemic like we've had and all of the things that go with it. It is unprecedented. But then we've, we've been given uh, words like essential and non-essential. One of my favorites, social distancing. All of a sudden, man, that's, that's the law, man, social distancing. We'll be out there with its tape measure, make sure y'all are sitting where you're supposed to be. New, the new normal, I hate this one. I think I mentioned the other day, I said, you know, there's normal and there's abnormal. can to be new normal. New normal? Let's stay normal as Christians. The normal Christian life is found here. Then there's civil separation. How about this one? Flatten the curve. I've been trying. (laughs) Hasn't worked well. Hasn't worked well through this pandemic. (laughs) Lockdown. Pandemic. Lockdown, by the way, you know, we, we, we've used the term, you know, in education, you know, it's, uh, when any crime is being committed around a school, they lock down the school. You know, so it's an understandable thing. But now, we lock down people in their own homes. That's the crime. Personal opinion. Pandemic, asymptomatic, face masks, herd immunity. PPE, which is personal protective or uh, yeah, protective uh, personal protective equipment. And, and again, one of my favorites: alone together. <sighs> we're not alone, and we're not together. As believers, we're not alone, no matter where we are. But together, we're not together. Quarantine, and then, of course, I mentioned earlier the, the ubiquitous: wash your hands. Wash your hands. My skin's falling off. But my hands so much. Wash your hands for 20 seconds. The well, best way to do it, measure it, you know, sing happy birthday twice, you know. Science. There's one word that that should be primary in the in this vocabulary. The word is lawlessness. It's biblical. It's the word iniquity that Jesus uses in Matthew 24. And that's leading up to this next part of the list, what is currently playing right now in a neighborhood near you, Antifa, BLM, or Black Lives Matter. Now, please understand, I'm just giving you a list. You know, I, I know we'll probably hear about something, but I don't care. So, but this is what you hear. Black Lives Matter, social justice, we talked about that already. How about white privilege? Autonomous zone, Seattle. Cancel culture, you know, uh, networks are canceling certain police programs that are very popular because people get to see the police with cameras doing what they do every day, risking their lives, but you know, gotta cancel because it's got police in it cancel culture, defund police. There's even a police abolition movement already taking place. No cop co-op, systemic, systemic racism, which uh, if people would just look in the, in the dictionary to see what systemic means, uh, it, it's just a lie. It's just a lie. Is there racism? Of course there is. Systemic in the police department? One police officer does something very, very wrong, bad apple, whatever. You're gonna label everyone with a broad brush that they're all that same way? That's irrational. That is irrational. You know, here in El Paso, we had, uh, we had somebody in a, a particular school district here close by that was arrested for, for sexual misconduct with a, with a child. Just recently, the last couple of days. Or sexual abuse. Shouldn't they be protesting at the school district? Saying uh, we need to have reforms on how you teach your school. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't do it there, but our children are precious to us. Why are we protesting there? Do you understand now how irrational it is, what's happening? and the burning down of of businesses, actually in many cases, some of those businesses of African-Americans saying, hey, wait a minute, I I thought you said my life mattered. I see this time and time again on the news over the last three weeks. They want us also to decolonize our bookshelves, take all the old history out, Is that going back to book burning, like back in the times of the Gestapo and the Nazis? And last but not least, my most unfavorite new word in the vocabulary, woke, W-O-K-E, woke. What is that? All they've done is woke up into a nightmare. They're not woke up into truth still doesn't make any sense that's a new new stuff so i called it one thing madness and i haven't even really mentioned much about the Street demonstrators and the lawless rioters burning and looting the businesses of neighbors. Gang warfares continue on. Drug wars continue on. The pornographic industry hasn't, hasn't really declined much. The hatred toward and the attacking and the shooting of law enforcement officers we've talked about. And now the constant threat of domestic terrorism. This is political correctness run amok. So here's a question though because it, it needs to lead to where, we're, where we've been going with all of this from the very beginning with Daniel chapter 7. When you hear the words liberal progressive do do you tend to consider a political ideology before anything else? Very rarely do people today apply these terms to any segment of the church except those who are truly committed to the Word of God. The liberal progressive movement is not new to the church but it has certainly gained a foothold in today's evangelical circles and because of this are moving rapidly toward ecumenicalism, ecumenism, and a one-world religion which the Bible says is coming during the time of the Antichrist. And the true Church of Jesus Christ, made up of those who have truly committed their lives to the living God, to the true God, those who have confessed Jesus with their mouth and believe in their heart that he's risen from the dead, have been and will ever be the targets of the enemy until Jesus comes. This is all leading to that. And yet these liberal progressive churches that are new age churches that are uh, allowing all kinds of other uh, doctors to come in and, 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 and change really the, 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 they're, they're Christian by name only are supporting what's going on today. What did Jesus tell them? Well, actually, the Apostle Paul said, from such, turn away. You don't join them. So this you already know, but let's review the roots of all of that. The roots of all of that go back to Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God has made or had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, remember that statement, did God really say, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Here's the second thing, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Three things Satan and the serpent said. Did God really say that? That's doubt. That is putting doubt in people. Secondly, you're not going to die. That's declaring God a deceiver. The third thing he says, you'll be like him. That is declaring man as deity. Declaring man as deity. You can be God. There are many word-of-faith churches today that, by the way, are a part of something called the New Apostolic Reformation that you know constantly, and actually for, for, for their whole history, have said, Oh, listen, we're, we're, we're little gods. We're little gods. Well, you can be a little god. I don't want to be a little god because my, my Bible says there's only one god, and we're not him. So with all this being said, I know that I'm preaching to the choir here, but, but movements within the past 75 to 100 years or so in the visible church, the visible church, again, understand when I say visible church, that is called Christendom. Uh, that's just a, you know, anything that may be labeled close to being Jesus Christ, you know, close with the name of Christ. I mean, we, we, can, we, we talk about you know, the Catholic church. We talk about even sometimes Mormons because it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Again, the application of that. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they believe in a Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible so. but any connection in that way, that's, th- it's all under that blanket of Christendom it's the visible church, what people see, but they're not really seeing the true church, that's the invisible church those who have s- committed their hearts to Jesus Christ with their mouth and, in, and believe in their hearts so these movements, like the manifest sons of God that came out of a good foundation and then later on went off the deep end. Manifest Sons of God, the Latter Rain Movement, the Laughter Movement of about 20, 25 years ago, the Toronto Blessing, Pensacola Revival, and what's even closer now, the emergent Emerging Church, the contemplative uh, spirituality of uh, the New Age uh, uh, churches today, the New Apostolic Reformation, just to name a few, can all be traced back to that initial and ultimate deception of Genesis chapter 3 because in some way they have a tie to those three things. Did God really say? Think about how many of these modern translations are being used to the point where they have just completely completely changed the word of, uh, quote unquote, the word of God to say what they wanted to say. That is why I stick to this Bible here. It's called the King James Version of the Bible. I'm not ashamed of it at all. In fact, I stand on it. Because it has been trustworthy for 400 years plus. That's pretty good. All the others get revised every year or two or every five years or so. Revised? Why, is there a problem? Okay, that's my own, uh, I've been, so so many personal things I'm saying here today. But, But it's okay. I hope you still love me. All right, so it all goes back to that. Did God really say, number two, oh, listen, you know, you're going to be okay. You can be like God. He just doesn't want you to be like God. You're not going to die. So let's face it. They present the gospel and Christianity in a different way to the world. They're a postmodern society. Truth is a moving target. Be careful when you see something labeled National Council of Churches or World Council of Churches, that will be connected with the end time one world religion. You know what's happening today? Chris Long, trying to combine. Christianity with Islam. Can they combine? So truth is a moving target. Many of these churches hold to the philosophy of relativism. They make the rules as they go along. and They certainly are experiential, which means that the Bible is not the absolute truth because there are no absolutes. Consider the words of emergent church leader Brian McLaren. Now this guy, a few years ago, was named one of the 25 top pastors in in the nation. Brian McLaren, listen carefully. If I could just read a few things of his today, you would wonder, is that guy really a Christian? So listen carefully. Brian McLaren said this in an interview with ChristianPost.com. He said, I think our future, speaking of the church, I think our future will require us to join humbly and charitably with people of other faiths, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, and secularist in pursuit of peace, environmental stewardship, and justice for all people, things that matter greatly to the heart of God. End quote. Things that matter greatly to the heart of God. Folks, I love the response of the Berean calls T.A. McMahon, who said this to that very statement. He said, no. He said, what matters to the heart of God is that all should come to repentance and believe the true gospel. That is what matters to God. I thank my my friend Mary Danielson from Calvary Chapel Appleton who who wrote one of the booklets that we have in our our, um, uh, reception area in the office there. Uh, I stole it, that conversation. That's good. You need to hear it. This is what some of these so-called church leaders are saying. It's not even Bible. It's not even Scripture. And it brings to mind Judges 17, verse 6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Thomas Jefferson is known for having a Bible, the Jefferson Bible. Anybody ever heard of the Jefferson Bible? A few of you? Oh, folks, come on, look it up. Jefferson Bible, you know what it is? He took, he took the New Testament and, and, and with scissors, took out the things he didn't like and he didn't believe were really in scripture and that's the Jefferson Bible. Jefferson, as far as I'm concerned, was no true Christian. He, he, may, he may have been a deist, uh, may have said some very general things about God, but you don't take the word of God and chop it up. Read the book of Revelation chapter one and the last chapter two that tells us that you do not take or put in anything into the Word of God. So whatever happened to the Word of God then? That's my question. What happened to the Word of God in the church? Whatever happened to doing what the apostles under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit exhorted us to do? Like Paul when he said in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good prove, test, everything. Second Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 where Paul said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Are we preaching the word or are we preaching an ideology or are we preaching a philosophy? No, we are preaching the word and by the way the word are the words of God. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Listen, we can't do any of that without the word of God. And if you chop it up, cut it up, throw it out, what do you have left? For the time will come. The time is here. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, Shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears? Stop for just a moment, and I have to to make this statement. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. A few years ago, during the Obama administration, when uh, same-sex marriage was considered now constitutional, and there were parades, pride parades. Do you know that many of those churches marched in those parades even though the word of God says that homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord just saying as they say just saying but after their own lust shall they heap up themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Watch thou in all things. Stay vigilant. Stay watching. Watch all things. Endure afflictions, because you're going to get them as a believer in Jesus Christ. Do the work of an evangelist. Tell people about Jesus, and make full proof of thy ministry. That's what I taught last week. God has called all of us here. He has equipped us through the teaching of the Word of God to do the work of the ministry. And then there's John, 1 John 4, verse 1, who said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Prove the spirits. Test the spirits. Try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And he's talking about false prophets that are declaring that they are followers of Christ, but in fact are not. So getting back to what Jesus said to his disciples would be at the very core of these false apostles and teachers. This was his threat assessment of the last days. And I'm just going to tell you what they are because we've read it so many times, Matthew 24. But what does he say four times in Matthew 24? Deception. Do not be deceived. Deception. Do not be deceived this is his threat assessment. Be watching because there is deception going on. Secondly, there will be a delusion. I'll explain that in a moment. But there is the delusion and that delusion comes as Paul stated in 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 9 through 12 when he speaks of the same antichrist and says even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Notice the word deceivableness because they receive not the love of the truth. See, truth has gone out the window with most people, but not with us. So there's the deceivableness of righteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. There's the word. A delusion is a seducing. A a delusion is a fraudulent imposter. And people will believe a lie. Notice the next phrase, that they should believe a lie. You can even say they shall believe the old lie. Did God really say, you're not going to die, you're going to be like him. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth. That's strong language in English and in uh, in, uh, Greek. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. well the third thing that we need to know about these days is that there is a missing gift in much of the church today and I hope not in this church but that is discernment discernment each and every one of us needs to be discerning of the times discerning of the things that are being said and we don't just believe things because somebody said them and you don't need to believe me and Uh, but you need to check me out. Now, The gift is found in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. But all of us should discern. Just like we don't all have the gift of evangelism, we're still told to do the work of an evangelist. While some are not given a a specific gift of, of discerning spirits, Nonetheless, all of us should be discerning. It should be a gift that we all have. Discerning comes—that word discerning comes from the word diacrisis, which means to separate thoroughly. I, I mentioned this last night. You know, it—it it is a—it is a, a a legal term as well. It it means judicial estimation. You put you put a. a a case before a judge and sadly today I don't know if it's a good thing to talk about judges today because some of them are so political they don't, they don't judge right, right, righteously or rightly but you put a case before a judge that judge has to discern he needs to separate thoroughly all the facts and put it all together to make his decision that's discernment so must we do the same Consider 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, the importance of discernment when it comes to what he says here. When he says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereinto thou hast attained And I only say this because this is what my desire is. To make sure that I put these things in remembrance to you. That I put you in remembrance of these things that are going on in the world today. Satan is out to wear down the saints. And Paul knew this. In fact, this is what Paul said. Uh, I'm going to ask you for, may I have a few moments, more, more moments of your time? Okay. I, get to, I get to have you guys with me a little bit longer. Okay, But listen to what Paul said in Acts 20. Now remember, in Acts 20, Paul is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He believes the, strongly the call of God to Jerusalem. So he calls together the Ephesian elders in Miletus, And he says to them these things. He says in verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I have given you the whole counsel of God from his word. And then he said to the leadership of the church in Ephesus, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Feed the church. What do we feed the church? The word of God and the words of God. Feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Remember who bought the church? Jesus with his blood. For I know this, and here it is. Folks, listen carefully. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. Who's he speaking to? The leadership of the church of Ephesus. Grievous wolves will enter in among you. Not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things. Arise from where? From among the leadership of the church of Ephesus. Speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And the ones who will be drawn the most will be the ones who are weak in the word of God. Therefore, watch. Folks, we are to be watchmen. Watchmen. Vigilant. Because of the times in which we live. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Remember this. Paul really believed that the Lord Jesus could come at any moment back then. And if he was seeing this kind of of disparity among the church, he wept for those whose eyes were were being taken off of Jesus. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Folks, don't Be worn down by the enemy. Stay in the word of God. This is food. There is milk and bread and meat and fruit. Everything that God wants us to have in these last days without it, we are famished. And we are prime targets of the enemy. As we await the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, let's take hold of Paul's heart as he prepared to go bound to Jerusalem. Go back over to verse 24, before what I just read. Verse 24 in Acts. Because I want this to be my heart, and I want it to be your heart today. But none of these things move me. None of these things move me. whether in Seattle or Minneapolis or Atlanta or even in our own backyard, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. None of these things move me. Neither will it weaken me or wear me down because I don't count my life dear to myself. I don't count my life dear to myself. My time is in God's hands. I'm not here to impress. I'm not here to motivate you to have more than what you have as if to say that's exactly what God wants you to have. No, I'm here to say even if you had not one cent in your, in your name, you have more in knowing Jesus Christ. And we must stand for this truth and we must believe it with all of our hearts because the day's coming And Jesus is coming. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, There you might be also. And when Paul tells us that he's going to come and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord, Paul said, comfort one another with these words. May I say, be comforted. Jesus is coming.